This week on The Native Immigrants, we'll be talking about statues. Why are they there? Who are these people? Why should we care about them? And why should they come down? The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. You know what? It's been three months. We've been here in lockdown. Yeah. And it's uh, every day has felt like a, a marathon. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. And, you know, it's been waiting and waiting and waiting for you know, life to come back to some kind of normality. Mm-hmm. It'll be ages until that happens, obviously. Yeah. But a little passion of mine has come back this week. Okay. Football is back. Yes, it is. Football is once again on our TV screens, uh, which is actually running in the background as we're recording the podcast. Yes. Napoli have just won the Copper Italia. Spoiler alert. <laughs> For anyone listening in that um, has, hasn't been catching up on what's happening with Italian football action via the Coppa Italia. 4-2 on penalties. <laughs> it went to penalties. It did go to penalties. Um, and Napoli beat Juventus. That's quite a shock. Oh my God, I forgot that Ronaldo is at Juve. Yes. Oh my God. That's quite... I say it's a shock. Napoli are a massive team. They're managed by Gennaro Gattuso, Gino Gattuso, old yes. uh, Milan midfielder. I do remember him. Uh, and it's, yeah, this is quite a, you know, quite a bit of a coup for them because I think even with a strong team, Juve, Juve would have come into it being overwhelming favourites. Um, but they are favourites most of the time for a lot of things. Yeah, they pretty much monopolised <laughs> the Italian league for the last few seasons now. Um, and so it's a massive, massive look for Napoli. Wow. It's a great achievement um, because they they went under a lot of turmoil at the start of the season themselves. Mm. Um, and so to end it with some kind of silverware is uh, amazing. Oh, gutted that it can't have a crowd there, though. Yeah, no. Can you imagine the Napoli fans must be gutted? Well, you know, trophy's a trophy. Yes. But Italian football is back. German football's been back now for a few weeks. People don't know. They don't know my history with Italian football. They don't know that I was obsessed with it. Yeah. They don't know that. That's a whole, that's a, almost a whole nother show where and, you talk about your story with James Richardson and how you got him into Bravo. Yes. Yeah. Even he doesn't know that. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. And the fact that they, and we went to see him. Yeah. Live. Yeah. And I got a question. Yes. answered by them yes i tweeted did. in a question and this is like it. a it was like a 20 year anniversary of Golazzo. is it 20 or 25 years it's 25 wasn't 20, it it's 20, it'd be 25 now oh okay because it, it think came on tv at like 92 93 or something so yeah so yeah we're showing our age now in terms of our love of italian football from the 90s but Amazing to see continental football back in action, but the Premiership is back this week. And by the time... You Can't th- call it the Premiership anymore, love. The Premier League. Premier League. I'm old school fam. Yeah. 
This division again. one is back. <laughs> you know, like you know, you know the Ensley League where you got like Saint and Greavesy kind of presenting that shit. Oh my god, that was my ITV. life every Saturday. Yeah. It was always on the background, and that's when I was little and hated football. And I was like, well, "What is this? I want to watch cartoons." Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, there'd be football running, and it would be like um, Crystal Palace versus Luton Town <laughs> Division One game on the and ITV. Nottingham Forest and, Nottingham and Notts County were always somewhere at the top. Yeah, well, well, not at the top, but they were always Nottingham around. Forest, yeah. definitely, yeah. Notts County, not so much. Um, Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, exactly. Ipswich and Oldham and all these teams were in the, were in the old first division into the Premier League. But anyway, we digress. Uh, the Premier League is back. Now, I, I tweeted a little while back. I'm a little bit conflicted by this. Um, as much as I want the season to recommence, I've been clamoring for it to recommence because obviously people have listened to this show. We'll know I'm a massive Liverpool fan and we're two wins away from winning the premiership for the first time in 30 years. And so I am like chomping at the bit for this season to come back. But let's not kid ourselves. Uh, we're still, I still do not feel like we're in a position to recommence society to that level um you know the, i know this is a contact sport as well so uh social distancing isn't something that's going to be on the agenda mm. when it comes to football um and it's I, i'm a little yeah i'm a little bit in two minds the the head is telling me one thing the heart is telling me another thing i guess on the one hand they're just we ha like at some point life will have to try and get to some sort of normality or normality isn't going to be what it was before. Yeah. So it's just going to have to turn into something. We're going to have to get society going again. Yeah. We can't all just be agoraphobic. Um, but in another way, like China are having this scary second surge. Second surge, surge yeah. And I mean, let's not get it twisted. This is what I keep saying to everybody. Nothing's changed. Mm. People are still dying. At a ridiculous rate. It might have fallen slightly, but they're still dying. They're still talking hundreds. You yeah. Know? Every day, there is no cure. There is no vaccine. There is no treatment. Mm. You know? And like, so nothing's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I can't get my head around is that people are trying to, um, the government are trying to get us to kind of get back out there and, you know, resume. They're trying to encourage that, yeah. You know, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, partly because this, there is that scary kind of in the background, the economy is just fucked, basically. Yeah. The longer we carry on like this, the more fucked it's going to be. Mm. But I just, I mean, like, nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah. This is what I keep saying. It's, it's like my motto. Like, nothing's changed. I cannot function like You've it used changed. to function. Well, I am full-time mum now. <laughs> yeah. And um your worst nightmare has come true in that instance. <laughs> well, no, well, you know, do you know what? I was listening to Russell Brand talking about this. What being a full-time mum? No, but just about changing circumstances and that you have to we've always lived I mean this is going to get really deep and I'm probably going to get it wrong cuz I'm paraphrasing him. But and he was paraphrasing someone else. But basically we've always lived so busy and we plan ahead mm. and we're the kind of, you know, creatures that we we've been it's been drilled into us in recent history yeah. to be this way. Yes. But the way that we live right now has been what for like 100 200 years. Yeah. This yeah. kind of way of like post-industrialization living. Whereas we actually 
I mean, we are like essentially apes and we used to live like other apes do. Mm-hmm. You know, hunter, gatherer, think in the moment, worry about what's going on right now. Don't, pl- I mean, there is no thing as like, there was no thing as planning ahead. Yes. You know, or not really planning that far ahead like we do right now. And we have kind of lost away with that. We've lost that connection. And so being in this lockdown has made us get back to that. Like we have to live day to day, minute to minute, because yeah, we're having yeah, to yeah. try and just cope and make do with the things that we can get hold of and not, you know, be so consumed by consumerism. Mm, yeah. And um, and so this is a long way of me saying, actually, I'm quite enjoying being full-time mom right now. Mm. It's hard. It's an adjustment. My brain is not made, has not been, you know, I've not been conditioned that way yes. to be that person. But we've moved so far away from the way that, you know, is innate to us in terms of the way of living and being connected to nature. And part of that is actually being connected to your own children. Yeah. That, you know, like this has allowed me now to kind of find that again slightly mm. and just take a step back from the craziness of the world and just and concentrate on the people that matter. On the, on the here and now. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I somewhat agree with you. It's difficult when, you know, if you think about it, this is, it's three months. We've been living like this for three months. Over the course of our lifetime, it, it's going to be not even a, a, a teardrop, basically, in this massive ocean that is our life. But the change is going to be fundamental, I think, in a lot of people. Because three months has given us a way, a new way of living hmm. that we weren't allowed to to even consider before because we, we weren't able to take a break from the, li- yeah. the world that we were living in before yeah. and we've all been forced to take that break and we found new ways of working i mean you've been working from home mm-hmm. it's difficult because we've got a little baby running around you know shouting daddy but everyone a lot of people are in that position yeah. a lot of people have had really hard times and had to worry about you know whether they're going to have a job or not and various other things that are going on yeah but there's a big chunk of people that have found a new way of living that i'm not sure they will be willing to give up yeah, no. going forward. It's whether now going forward, companies are going to be a little bit more flexible in terms of their they'll work procedures. Um, well, they'll have to be, but there is a, there's, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, toying towards what's e- economically more viable than personally more viable well i think some companies have seen that actually what do we need this office space that we pay ridiculous rent for Mm. could we you know have smaller offices and then just have occasionally people coming in for interview uh, for um, meetings and things yeah yeah and actually most of the workforce would be working from home yeah remote working is obviously becoming more and more apparent um you know across all factors of the industry um yeah i guess it's one of the things that remains to be seen you know the next the next three months, the next six months is going to be very determining in terms of where we go as a society, as a workforce. Um, because, yeah, I think it's going to, there's a lot of questions that are going to need to be asked mm-hmm. in terms of our day to day working lives um, and how we go about doing them. Um, because, yeah, I think I, like many, are going to be very, going to find it very, very difficult to go back to a nine to five style office environment life um all that rushing around you used to go and drop him off at nursery first go to work come home like come back pick him up from nursery come home rush you know to get him ready for bed and get him into i mean do we want that life again i don't think so Mm. and i don't think most people do yeah 
you know, I'll, we want to spend time. Look at all this lovely time you've had with him. Yeah, no, it's been it's been amazing that way. Like I said, it's been three months of this. You know, I've been only used to this for the last three months now. Um, and so things like football coming. This the whole this whole conversation started about me being happy about football, and you turn it into this whole <laughs> deep rooted thesis on your own life, like you it's always do. Because I was listening to Russell Brand, he's just like he like All makes right. you think beyond. All right, we'll promote his podcast another time on our podcast. He's on someone else's podcast, actually. But oh, yes, God's sake, football is back. Can I can I at least have this one moment of being semi happy about this? Yeah. Without you turning it into something about you. It wasn't about me. You said to me that you weren't sure about whether life w- we were ready for all of this, and I, you know, chipped in with my. We just needed a yes cents. or no. I just need a yes or no. <laughs> I don't. I don't need the full full backstory behind it. <laughs> this is basically how our life goes. He he says something, and then I have a long answer to it, and then he um just says i just wanted to know yes or no i didn't really need to know your life yeah, story if only, if only to, i, I want to i'm trying to save our normal conversations for this podcast anything that happens in our normal life is just like a, mm, yeah, mm, mm, yeah okay because mm. then we lose all the juicy gossip the goop show that we need for this show <laughs> so basically we have no conversation now unless we we have two mics in front of us well Happy anniversary. Yeah, so happy anniversary. <laughs> Six years this week, Jojo B and I celebrated our wedding anniversary this past weekend uh, by having some amazing food. I will push it out there. We got it from a place called Namaste Lounge in Northwest London. Uh, special delivery for us. Uh, we were going to go like kind of all out, all out. Um, but then we realized, you know what, how much we could actually get and then we can actually have this meal for the next few days for the amount of food that we're going to end up ordering. Some of the really posh uh, Michelin star Indian restaurants, won't name any names, Mm. are doing home delivery, which is great. Yeah, It's great. But when I rang up to find out how much it would cost for them just to deliver the food, 30 fucking pound. Yes. 30 pound. You know what we did with that 30 pound? We got pizza on Friday night, <laughs> yeah. and then we got Namaste lunch on, <laughs> on Saturday. Saturday. Man's went all out, fam. <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's the big one. It's the big six, you know. So it's quite a momentous, like like <laughs> the big zero six. The big zero six, yeah, the big zero six. You know, it's quite an auspicious. Uh, I wonder number. what, like, you know, like they're meant to be like a material, like tin or paper or whatever. I wonder oh what God. it was. It's probably like sandpaper or something let me check six. i'll be back with you in a second uh but yeah we did celebrate our our six year anniversary this weekend uh by having some great food from namaste lounge um we used to do this like you know recommend restaurants and places that we go to for our nights out and because we haven't had one since last year i kind of feel like um you know so now it's going to be recommended delivery food places uh but namaste lands is a great place great food we've been there a couple of times before uh first time we've got it delivered to us and it was still piping hot when it turned up and you still tasted it it wasn't like a watered down kind of delivery taste and they were really accommodating with my gluten-free requests yes um even though they were like oh no we can't really make this dish like this and then the guy was like do you know what I'll make you something completely different, but it'll taste kind of like what you wanted. And it tasted even better than what we wanted. Yeah, and it was gluten free and they were knowledgeable about the allergens. Yes. Which is very rare when it comes to Indian restaurants. <laughs> it's also very true. That I have been poisoned a number of times, but Namaste Lounge pulled it out of the bag and it was a delicious meal. Top notch, top notch. Um, so the sixth anniversary. Okay. Traditionally, it was uh, sugar. 
What? Sugar. 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 Uh, which I kind of did because I made cheesecake brownies that nearly killed us. Mm. Um, and the, that's, that's the traditional gift. And the modern gift is iron. <laughs> <laughs> not a iron. Not like to You're press to your say. clothes with. But um, iron as in like the metal. The metal. Wow. So Which I, I think I'm currently lacking in my blood. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll take some supplements. I mean, yeah, like we're, we're lacking an iron <laughs> in all facets of our life because I don't think I've worn a piece of iron clothing for a very long time, being stuck indoors for the last three months. I don't iron. You just, yeah. you know, it just, the creases go when, you, when you're on it. When, when exactly, you're on, when, when, when you're on it, it, when it's on you. When I'm on it, fam, like the creases <laughs> are going to go, you get me like, you know what I mean? Man's on it, fam. The creases are done, fam. Your creases that are done. Basically, my attitude to creases. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, happy iron to you. Happy iron. Okay. Um, also, the same day as our anniversary, yours truly was on the Blindian project. I gave him time away from me. Yep. To talk. Can I say what it was about? You talked about your ex. <laughs> on okay. my wedding anniversary, right, he was talking about his ex. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Put it into context now. Um, the Blindian project I've spoken about in a, on a couple of shows now, they're a great platform really showcasing uh, brown and black couples, Asian and, and black couples, um, and how we bring our communities together. And uh, they had uh, a night called Roman Roti, which is celebrate that. Donnie Brasco, I believe, was doing the music for it. Nice. And Jonah, the man behind the Blindian Project itself, uh, does some interviews for the first half. And yours truly was first up being interviewed about my experiences as a man who had a black girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> He did actually say to me, uh, was your missus actually okay with you talking about this and discussing it? I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, we all have okay. a past. Yeah. We've all had other relationships. Yes. And I, you know, it is what it is. You married me, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't divulge too much into the, the seedy times with her. Um, it was well, more... no one needs to know the specifics, exactly. for fuck's sake. So I was, it was more, you know, she was my first love, which was my first girlfriend. And it was good to, to talk about it because I'm quite open about the fact that this was a great experience of my life. And as we said on our show about solidarity, we need to eradicate that anti-black sentiment uh, amongst our community. And the only way we can get that started is by conversation and discussion. And so the Blindian Project was a great way to, to get this you know, more out in the open and, and start to open up that dialogue. Um, and so, yeah, we had a really good chat about my experiences there and also the, the track, well, the verse that I spit solidarity all over my social media mm -hmm. which he picked up on himself and yeah really really good hopefully get a chance to get him on our show in the not yeah, too distant I future be, i think that'd be really interesting um i was i was watching on uh, ig live big up yourself shout out to everyone that also tuned in um there were some really funky comments at the bottom which i was kind of scrolling kind of seeing some like some crazy stuff come up on there. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know if this is like an in-joke or if there's someone who's just on drugs or something. <laughs> yeah. like, I did not know what was going on with some of these comments. It's like, I don't understand, so I'm just not going to... Yeah, yeah, that's it. I've phased it out and that. stuff. I was, yeah. I was, I was too, too busy engaged in some great conversation. Um, and that's what we want to do with this show is open up conversation, open up that dialogue. 
And on the other side of this break, we're going to be talking about statues and the defending of them recently in the past week or so. See you on the other side, people. Back to the second half of the Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And this past couple of weeks, as you've heard on our past few shows, there's been a number of protests happening across the world and across the UK, included about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, it's it's peaceful protests, sometimes escalating to more excessive protests. And in Bristol. Uh, the statue of a gentleman by the name of Edward Colston was pulled down by some of the locals. Um, now, I'd never actually even heard of Edward Colston before. I think most of us had. Yeah. Um, uh, as, yeah, I think most of the people across the UK are probably thinking the same. Um, but who was he, Jojo B? So he was a 17th century slave trader. Um, and he had uh, the statue erected in his honor right. for his philanthropic work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he gave money to charity or whatever. Um, and there had been lots of petitions going on for a long time in Bristol. Right. He was quite a controversial figure, obviously, yeah. given the nature of his work. Um, and so there'd been lots of petitions, thousands of signatures on these petitions, trying to get the council to take down the statue. Yeah. Um, and there's like other memorial stuff to other people who were involved in the slave trade as well. Mm. Um, and they're trying to get all that changed as well. But the protest happened. People got sick of it, sick of seeing it. Yeah. And so a bunch of protesters toppled it over straight into Bristol Harbour. Mm. Yes. And they got rid of it. Yeah. They did what the council should have done ages ago, basically. Yeah. Um, also in East London, a statue's been taken down as well okay. by the council. It was the statue of a slave owner called Robert Milligan. Oh, okay. And so they've removed that as well. So there have been two statues being taken down. Okay, so so we've seen a couple of statues being taken down. This past weekend, we've seen uh, statues being defended in um, quite extracurricular like circumstances well so now basically what's happened is is that everyone thinks that all statues of anyone that's ever been yeah it, it, like they're in danger mm. and you know let's not get it twisted a lot of these people did some really shitty things these mm. people that we've got statues up in honor of and um and so there has been a um a gathering in various places mm. of um Tommy Robinson and his ilk, yeah. shall we say. The, the, those types. Yeah. Um, because we haven't really heard a lot from that particular community for a little while now. Because Brexit's happened uh, at the start of the year. Uh, be formally um, finalised, basically, at the end of this year. Um, the COVID-19's happened. 
And with the pandemic, it seemed like everyone was rallying around together. There was a lot of unity, people really starting to appreciate the fact that we have lots of immigrants working um, or people from, you know, kind of other backgrounds working in the NHS. And so they had started to I don't to know be... if they're appreciating those people. They just, they just quietened. They just, these people were just silently away from the I spotlight. Mean, potentially. But I think in the mass public, there had been a slight change in opinion. It had become a lot... The the rhetoric, maybe because they weren't in their public eye, but the rhetoric had got a little bit less toxic. Mm. And then, lo and behold, they found a cause. We've got to defend Britain's statues. Yeah, statues of people that no one knows who the fuck they are when you walk yeah. past them. Because we all walk past them. We never fucking stop and look at them, do we? No, we walk not. past them. We don't read the plaque. We don't look up to look at their faces. We just walk right past. Yeah, and none of us know who the fuck they are mm. or their histories or why there's a statue there and there's not a statue of me instead. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one knows. Mm. So, but now, all of a sudden, people want to defend. Everyone's, everyone's a historian. Yeah, everyone wants to defend. And the people who do know who these people are, they're the ones who are angry at having those statues because they've done their homework. Yeah. They know what those people did and that they shouldn't be celebrated. Yeah. And so that's why they want those statues taken down. More often than not, the people who are defending the statues don't have a fucking clue who those people are. They're just used to seeing that statue there. Yeah. And they know that that was somebody who was potent, who you know supposedly made Britain great. But Britain was made great off the back of an empire mm. that killed, murdered, pillaged m- millions, yeah. millions of people a lot across of the world. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> this past weekend, the the I guess the the chief statue. That was um, that was defended basically by uh, a mass crowd of far right lovelies. Um, lovelies, well, yeah, it's not a word I would use, but okay, lovelies, <laughs> yes. yeah. Was Winston Churchill, ex prime minister of this country, mm. um, big on the war effort, mm-hmm. and that's what he's particularly lauded for. Yeah, but there is a lot. And I think we, when it comes to the the great figures of society over the all of history, mm. there's always um, uh, uh, an element of controversy with all of these people. Even the most saintly have got a dark edge to them. And history is always written by the people who won. Yeah, yeah, of course. So there's always going to be a you know a, a lovely kind of gold tinge. Yeah, of course, <laughs> to of them, course, of course. But you know, for someone. You know, in in the British public eye, they've got no reason to look at Churchill as anything other than, you know, one of the greatest luminaries in their history. But history will tell you that man racist. Yes. Well, the reason that... So I'm going to put this out there, that I held that belief that he was a great person based on what I learned at school. Yeah. Well, this is this is the bigger part of the the discussion here. So he was, you know, touted as a great leader when we were at school. And actually, I had a strange like so I love history, and I had a strange obsession with World War Two when mm. I was a teenager. For some reason, I was just really interested in what happened, how it happened, what life was like, all of that stuff. And um, you know, you watch a lot of these programs, um, like the World at War, yeah. really old series, fucking great. But it was. You know, like he 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 was painted in a good light, you know, mm. in a great light. Because I suppose what he was doing at that point was 
he was, you know, leading Britain and Britain won. Yeah. But that's the that's the opinion that I held. So if I can hold that opinion. Yeah, of course. As a young Asian girl at that point, then I'm not surprised that lots of people still believe that of but it's, him. But the thing is, it's like it's like with everything. You're not going to be taught about the the negative or the atrocities that have taken place or the views that some of these people had. It's, you know, like we, we talked about, you know, the um, the Jallianwala bug. Mm-hmm. None of that is taught in schools or, you know, any of these things that have happened within the course of society that paint the, a negative picture on the British and the empire and colonialism is very, very rarely taught, if at all, in the current curriculum. So how are you going to know about these things until you get to your adult life and have the knowledge to seek out this kind of information and then you find out about a lot of what happened and the things that were said and the views that these people had. So I'm being devil's advocate here, right? right? And I don't, I mean, I don't need to do this, but I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. They are not, they don't have the incentive to go and find that out because their ancestors were not, they were not colonized. They mm. were the colonizers. Yeah. So for us, we know that our ancestors were oppressed. We know that hideous things were done to our people mm. back in our motherlands, wherever you might be from within the empire, former empire. Yeah. So we have every incentive to find out what was going on. Plus, we also already were brought up with some of that knowledge. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been passed down. Yeah, yeah. You know, we know. So like the pain that our ancestors felt has been passed down through the generations yes you know like my dad told me what happened my dad tried to teach me some things you know and then that then fed my interest to go and find out more mm. whereas if you're from here you don't necessarily have any incentive mm. to and if you watch things like who do you think you are yeah you see people and they're like oh yeah you know your family your your great 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 uncle was a general in the british army and went to india to you know or to africa and was a part of the empire and he was a general over there it makes it sound like that person did some great things yeah yeah now what that person went over there to do was oppress millions of people yeah you know and loot a country yeah but it's always painted in a nice light so if you're watching if your knowledge just comes from those kind of programs that's all you're gonna know that's all you're gonna understand of it that's true whereas if you are an immigrant to this country and your family comes from a former colonial country, yeah, the subcontinent, much of Africa, the Caribbean, wherever, you're you have that I think within imprinted in your DNA now. Yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. like that 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 pain is there, and that and then you know you you come here and you face the racism and stuff anyway. So it's yeah. all kind of like. You understand it better because you have a wider worldview yeah. than the people from here who don't, who might not feel the incentive to go and educate themselves on what happened from the other side. Yeah. Not from the viewpoint of being British and going over there, but from the viewpoint of somebody from those countries that was then very very badly yeah but uh, yeah i agree with you but i think when you talk about someone like churchill and you know the things that he did i guess positively for great britain at the time but also his viewpoints they tap right into that level of people 
So if a racist uh, or anyone from the far right looks at the views that Churchill had, he's speaking their language anyway. So you're not going to change any of their viewpoints and the person that he was and how we should potentially question the fact that he's got a statue up there. If anything, he's like one of the original spokesperson for their people. You know, he that, just a list of some of the things that he said um, over the course of his time as, as prime minister. Um, you know, 1937, um, he told the Palestine Royal Commission, I do not admit, for instance, that a great wrong has been done to the Red Indians of America or the black people of Australia. I do admit that a wrong has been done to these people by the fact that a stronger race, a higher grade race, a more worldly wise race, to put it that way, has come in and taken their place. Um, you know, he also advocated the use of chemical weapons, primarily against Kurds and Afghans. He even said, I cannot understand this squeamish squeamishness about the use of gas. I'm strongly in favor of using poison gas against uncivilized tribes. Um, we already know that he did nothing during the Bengal famine in 1943, uh, when India was still under British rule. There was three million people that died, and he blamed the Indians themselves, saying it's because they bred like rabbits. Uh, he even told the Secretary of State of India, um, Leo Armory, that he hated Indians and considered them a beastly people with a beastly religion. Uh, he was also a potential Zionist because he said a fervent believer in the right of the Jewish people to a state of their own and that state should be in what is currently Palestine. Um, we can list off a number of these of the things that he said over that time with extremely far-right views. But what I'm saying is, so you, for someone like Churchill to, saying these things, someone from today that's part of Britain First or the EDL would be looking at that thinking, this this man is my leader, you know, and I'm here to defend it at all hilt, and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I mean, I, I, those those quotes are really like I, I knew a lot of that stuff, you know, that he had those hideous views and stuff. But when you hear the quotes, the actual words that he used, mm. it's so horrific and so like unthinkable. I think historians will say he wasn't saying anything that wasn't a common viewpoint amongst most of society during that time. Yeah, white you know? supremacy was what was, I mean, the leading thought yeah. in in Europe at that point. Yeah. You know, any of those people, that any of those countries that went and colonised, they all had that view. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't make it any less hideous, No, does it? absolutely not. And um, also, like, People can say, this is how they justify these things, is that they say, oh, you know, but that's how people thought back then. That's how they spoke back then. Mm. People still knew back then that murdering, pillaging, raping, anyone, anyone who's a person, yeah, they knew that that was wrong. Mm. You're brought up to know that murdering someone is wrong. Now, you, so you cannot then defend those words when you're saying them against another person like, it, there is no defense you know it's wrong mm. but you still want to do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that makes How you that work? like an awful person and so i just it just it beggars belief that that's that that has been allowed that train of thought has been allowed to happen mm. for this long but that's what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. It's about saying, this has gone on for too long. You have you lot have been in charge for too long and have allowed this thought, this thought has, you know, 
it's penetrated every single part of society, every institution that you can possibly think of mm. has been set up or has been run or has at the very heart of it, this notion. And it then it's permeated through society and it still exists because that's what it was set up on. Yeah. Most of those companies were set up in, you know, the, the 18th century, 17th, like, you know, 18th or 19th century. Mm. And they still exist now. Mm. But their core values are probably very similar, like very similar to what they were back then. Yeah, yeah. And they're still run by the kind of people that look the same as they did back then. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not there, and that's why there needs to be diversity. But that's why also people are running scared from the idea of diversity and the idea of there being equality. Mm. Um, is because a lot of people are very comfortable with that, and they they are enjoying their position, mm. and they still you know, at the very core, believe that that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. You know, that there is a supreme race. Whether you think it outright or not, that that kind of unconscious bias, and unconscious bias is a term that's been used a lot recently, but it's there. Mm. And it's there because of all of the institutions, all the way through schooling, all the way through, you know, trying to get a mortgage, whatever you want to do, anything in life, mm. that is there. Yeah. And it's like, it's really scary. I'm just, we were just saying this before we pressed record. It's mm. just how scary this is and how far it goes and how much has to change. Yeah. It, I heard, I was listening to Benjamin Zephaniah talking about anarchy mm. and what anarchy really means. Not just like everyone's running around in a lawless state and it's like the purge. It's yeah. not like that. It's like what anarchic society can be. Is like self-policing and you know you people communities make their rules yeah and they abide by those rules but it's for the greater it's like for the the better the betterment of that little society that community yeah, yeah. um and i think that's what he said don't quote me i might be wrong about anarchy but it's really it's an it's an interesting idea because the the way that society set up has been set up by the people like that were like Churchill and the people that came before him. Mm. And if those if that changes, then you know how how do we then choose what we're going to do instead? Because we're so, it's so instilled in us. That's yeah. Well, this is the thing is we're so instilled with like this the statue seeing these statues and in place and and being taught what we've been taught in history through our time in education this has all just been instilled in us that this is how it is so when when you question it and you go against that ethos then all of a sudden you're an enemy of the state and i think with it, with the defending of these statues um you know we there is across the whole of the uk there's statues erected of so many people that should be questioned why these are still up um you know because you know it, it's just been part of our fabric that this is how it is um but we should be in a place where now we should be questioning whether you know certain you know statues are still still hold merit basically you know in today's society i think if you're gonna have statues of someone like winston churchill up you have to have the education around who he was as a full person, as a full character, not just the war hero, the you know the great leader in, in World War Two, 
but also what his foreign policy was like, mm. what he thought, those quotes. We need to have context around those and we need to understand like who he was as a person, as a full person, if we're going to celebrate him, along with all of those people that we have statues of. Yeah. Who were they? Yeah. What did they stand for? Yeah, They might have done something that, you know, made Britain victorious in one way, but in the other way, like, what were they about? Who were, like, what did they stand for? What did they do when they were making Britain victorious? Yeah. What were the actions that apparently made Britain, you know, great? But how many people had to die for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. What, what, was, what was their great cause? Or what did they, what, who are they, basically? <laughs> yeah. Who like, are you, Vlad? Who are you? Yeah. Like, you know, we just get taught such a one-sided thing if we get taught anything about these people. Yeah. I mean, half of these people, like I said at the beginning, we don't know who the fuck they are. No, exactly, exactly. I've got a list of other statues, by the way, that might, that people want to get taken down, but who knows if they ever will or not. Okay. And some of these people, I'm like, really? Did I know the names, but I'm like, did you really do that? So the first one, the founder of the Scouts. Robert... Powell? Yeah, Robert Baden-Powell. Yeah. Baden-Powell? Baden-Powell, Baden yeah. So he was a Boer War veteran. Okay, yeah, Boer or, War. Well, it was like hero, but yeah. then I was like, I don't know how to do inverted commas on, <laughs> yeah. on a podcast. But yeah, so he, he, you know, fought in the Boer War. Um, but he also had friendly talks with Adolf Hitler. Lovely. About uh, forming a closer tie to the Hitler Youth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Scouts being like the Hitler Youth? Next on the list, we've got Cecil Rhodes. Who? Well, so he was someone who went, I don't know what he did in South Africa, but from what I read was that he was a, a white supremacist and the architect of apartheid. Lovely. And Salute to you, Cecil. Yeah, so there used to be a statue of him in South Africa that got taken down. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there was a petition for the, the statue of him at Oxford Uni in the college that he went to, uh, uh, Oxford Uni, for that to be taken down. They refused. Mm. And the students are petitioning again, still refusing. So that still exists. We'll see if that we'll see, comes we'll down see eventually. How long, yeah, we'll see how long that stays up for. There's a guy called Robert Clive, who um, had, there's a statue of him in Shrewsbury. Okay. He is a former governor of Bengal. Uh, he oversaw the Great Bengal Famine of 1770. I didn't even know this happened. So There's the been many, bent many famines. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. But this one, this one is estimated to have killed 10 million oh people. Oh, God. Which was a third of the population in the area. Jeez. Um, and they apparently starved to death. And then um, the last one that I came across was a guy called John Mitchell, who was a 19th century Irish nationalist. He championed the slave trade in America. And uh, there's a street named after him in Northern Ireland and there's a statue there and people are petitioning to get that taken down because they were like, really? Yeah. Do we need this? Do we need... To be reminded of this. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. They're, they're just a few of the ones no, that I'm I found. Sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure there's many, many, many more. I'm sure there's many across the world. You know, I'm mean, a little bit closer to home. There's a statue in Leicester that's also been having the rounds with petitions asking for it to be removed. That is Mahatma Gandhi. Um, now, we don't know. I'm not for in any instance comparing uh, Gandhi to Churchill, although they didn't really see eye to eye. Um, they didn't like each other too much. Um, but in terms of a divisive figure within their own societies, we are talking about two very controversial figures mm -hmm. 
um, two people that um, did a lot for the betterment of their countrymen, but also a lot of personal like viewpoints and um, actions actions that were deemed uh, unsavory. Um, I love how diplomatic you're being about this. Well, you know, there's no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I have to toe the line uh, when it comes to to Gandhiji because there is a lot of controversies. Um, a, a lot of it you can go out and read if mm-hmm. you want um, to things that happened and he potentially got up to in his private life. Um, yeah, it's all alleged, isn't it's it? All, it's all alleged, you know. Not, like we, but we know some of the quotes with him with, when he was in South Africa yeah. against the black community. That's evidently there. Yeah, and we're already talking about anti-black sentiment. If one of the the greatest leaders of our country um, had those viewpoints, then that obviously filters across the rest of society. And then, what chance do we have of trying to eradicate that sentiment? You know, there's so, a lot of people quoting Gandhi about his peaceful protest stuff and then people were just like do you know what like please don't use his quotes because firstly he's got nothing to do with black lives matter um secondly um he was a racist Mm. and didn't like the black people that lived and were from south africa while he was there Yeah, yeah and so you know basically fuck him and so in in this instance he is not someone that we should be using as a positive role model just because he did some peaceful protesting hmm. in India for a different struggle. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean I don't come from a very pro Gandhi household. No, exactly. No, so, absolutely. Absolutely. You know. But that's the thing, you know, the in Leicester that past weekend there was a lot of people standing out to defend his statue. Um, as well it was lovely because you had like the um, images of these like aggressive like um, you know racist far-right kind of mobs around mm. Churchill and then you had like a bunch of like bars <laughs> like <laughs> stood like you know at, at, outside the, the Gandhi statue and I just thought oh wow there's God. like you know who'd win in the toss-up between these lot um, but yeah it just you know it it but it it does ask the question you know we're talking about you know the statues of of certain people across the uk and whether it's right and do we need to start addressing whether they still need to be there i think you you almost have to put him also in that conversation um you know you know the same way you would with churchill and and all these other people there's a there's a lot of positives but there's a there's a lot of negatives as well that in the same way that you have like you know the these mobs not wanting to think in any other way a lot of hindu nationalists are very very adamant against any negative um you know stories or or talk around about gandhiji and so you know there's no real differences basically in that in that context i 100% agree with that <laughs> i'm not going to say much about this because uh you know me once i get going on the mm. subject of gandhi i don't stop and so i feel like he is um irrelevant quite frankly well okay so let's let's talk about that as we come to towards the end of this show and you spoke about this literally just before we started recording the show as well has this whole debacle with the statues and the defending of statues diluted away from what was a massively important cause 
with the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests that occurred with it. Still is a massively important st- cause. It still is a massively important cause. I think I think it has. I think it's just a kind of it's like diversion tactics, isn't it? Like try and you know, like they just wheel someone like Tommy Robinson out, you know, every so often and just get them and get and try and get kind of the public to be engaged with with that and be ang- either angry or on his side, mm. but they try and use him as that kind of tool for yeah. anarchy. Yeah, but just as also to divert our attention away from the ma- the thing that really matters, mm. which is actually people are saying, we don't want to celebrate these people because they were they were bad people at the core of it. They did yeah. bad things. Um, and we need to educate, we need to change the education system so that we understand yeah. what Britain really was about. In the same way that Germany does not shy away from teaching the, their students about the Second World War yeah. and how it went down, basically, in Germany. Yeah. And they don't, they're not scared of teaching that history and because they don't want that to repeat. So... Whereas people here seem to want to kind of, I'm not saying everybody, but there is, there's a, there's a kind of loud minority that want Britain to be great again, like the empire and the empire is going to come back. People actually fucking think that. Yeah, That's what yeah. they thought when the Brexit vote went through. Um, and the, the world's just looking at them like, are you fucking mad? Yeah. This is never going to happen again. But people think that because that's what they've been taught. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they were the good days yes. when we ruled the world and the map was all pink and all that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, like that's and so we need to kind of change the education system to to give people a clearer understanding of what was going on. Like for instance, in Newcastle, these people turned up to to defend a statue in the middle of town called Gray's Monument. Right. It's to Lord Gray, who was the prime minister when slavery was abolished. Okay. He was an abolitionist right. and um and a reformist and he um was the one, it was under his government where this happened, where this right. changed. And so the Black Lives Matter movement were just like, we're not gonna be there. <laughs> there. There was no one there. It was just a bunch of idiots that stood around Gray's monument. Now, if you've ever seen it, it's really fucking tall as well. How they oh how they thought anyone was that gonna get hilarious. all the way up there. It's like it's Big. It's yeah. like in like Nelson's column, kind of you look up and it's there. Yeah. It's like that. Mm. Maybe not quite so tall, but it is very, very tall. No one was gonna touch it. <laughs> there was no purpose for touching it. They even said, you know what, we're not gonna go there, it's safe. Yeah. We don't wanna we're, we don't wanna yeah, get rid of that statue. We're good, we're, yeah, we quit on this one, like. Yeah, but that's what I mean by it. There's no education. No one fucking yeah. knows who these monuments are for. Mm. Otherwise they wouldn't have wasted their time hanging around in town making noise for no reason. They would have yeah. stayed at home and had a cup of tea because they would have known that it was a pointless protest but it's, it's, or counter-protest. But it's an excuse, isn't it? I think for a lot of the... We saw it, obviously, with the images we saw in London and stuff. It was an excuse for all these mobs to come out at one time and act like there's a cause to get behind. But it was just to cause chaos and just to be rowdy. But it was just like, that made it into the whole thing into just like a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this isn't a joke. Yeah. This... You know the 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 statues coming down, or there being petitions against these statues, mm. is not a joke. It's there for a reason. Yeah. But these people make a joke of it. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. because people start laughing at it all and be like, oh, what what a bunch of di- it like dickheads. And but then that also makes it just makes the whole thing a farce. 
No, completely. And I think that's that's the the point that I was gonna getting across is the fact that, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and and the and the protests that occurred with it um was such a massive eye-opener and a great way to raise awareness for it. And there were so many people behind it across the whole world. And I kind of feel like here in the UK, that's it's just been like sort of distanced so heavily with this, you know chaos that's ensued because of defending statues of people that really no one cares about now in, in this day and age mm. and i think that's really it's it's sad um it's frustrating um but it's it's so typical britain almost in a way i think people would just need to get over the idea of we're trying to erase britain's past what we're actually trying to do is remember britain's past correctly yeah absolutely and i think that's that's the way it needs to be explained to people. Mm. That we're not trying to forget what you did. We're trying to remember it in the right way. Yeah. Or trying to give you the full picture, not just the rosy, you know, 10% of the picture. <laughs> yeah. And and learn from, you know, the almost the mistakes and the atrocities of the past to to move on from there as a as a more harmonious community. Mm-hmm. You know, apologies for some of the things that took place that still haven't been apologize for no. send back some of those things that have been looted that are stuck in the british museum currently back to where they came you know before someone like killmonger comes along and takes, <laughs> takes them it. exactly yeah. yeah you know all of these things like uh, like uh, should be an eventuality it's whether they can you know ride off their high horse in order to to make that happen i don't know if we're quite there yet but we can only you know Start the change, implement the change, ask for the change. Um, and keep reminding people what the real, real conversation is here. Yeah. That Black Lives Matter. Yes. And that we need to make change happen within institutions. Mm. Systemic racism needs to go. Yes. And that's what we need to keep our focus on. Yeah. And not get diverted by the bullshit that goes around. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Because, yeah. This, there are far more important matters at hand, which are genuinely life and death. And people might think that that's not the case over here compared to America, but it is. Yes. And we need to make sure that we keep our eye on the ball. Wholeheartedly agree with you. And another cause that we both feel very particularly strongly for is Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. and how those need to change as well at the same time. And every year we have our Pride special at the same time of June. And for next week's show, we are going to have this year's Pride special. Yay, I love our Pride special. Yeah, it's a great way to show solidarity to uh, our friends in the LGBTQ plus community, um, specifically the Asian members of that community, um, because, you know, we're still as a collective community, not there yet when it comes to acceptance. And we need to get to a point where it's, you know, we're in a good place now. Um, but we're going to have the boys from You Don't Love Me podcast with joining us, basically, Yay! talking about um, if there's actually been any progress um, in the last few years from, from their viewpoints, um, not just, you know, with members of their respective communities but in the wider community as well mm-hmm. with acceptance towards um members of the lgbtq plus community so yeah looking forward to chatting to those guys um and um yeah yay roll on pride roll on pride yes 
So we'll catch you all next week, people. So we'll catch you all next week, people, for our Pride special. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then. Peace. See ya.